welcome to Pete's Percussion Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Zambito, and we're here for episode 293 and my conversation with South Florida-based freelancing percussionist Jen Martinez-Bree. And with that, the semester is done. Grades went in a couple days ago. (sighs) Big sigh of relief. I'm ready for a break and excited for the upcoming summer. More details on that to come soon. But otherwise, let's jump right into our interview with Jen Martinez-Bree. It was a pleasure getting to talk to Jen for the podcast. I was made aware of her as she was a panelist on the Percussion is for Everybody panel put on by the Percussive Arts Society's Diversity Alliance and occurred during the 2021 PASIC. She had a lot of great comments about the challenges she and her fellow members of the panel have had to do to navigate the world of percussion in the face of personal disabilities and challenges that would frequently preclude them from participation. It was great to hear from that entire panel and to get to talk to Jen here. Jen performs as a freelance percussionist in the South Florida area, performing mostly as a jazz vibraphonist. We'll hear about her experiences on the pace succession, the challenges of travel, her beginnings of percussion, the challenges of freelancing, and many other items. So let's get to it. We recorded this interview over Zoom on May 3rd, 2022, and it begins right now. Give me a summation of your uh, percussion uh, items, responsibilities, things that you are doing these days. I'm just gigging. What What are your typical uh, gigs at this point? Um, vibraphone gig. Like usually, unless it's like Christmas and they want like little bells or clock and stuff. Is that done? Are you? Is it a, a clubs in the area? Where Where is that typically happen? Um, a lot of corporate events and like a bit like once or twice with like a park, a botanical garden or something like that. Aside from doing that, what what else are you doing to kind of uh, make a living, I guess? <laughs> I am, my, my day job is an administrative assistant for a theater department at a college. One of the reasons I, I um, wanted to talk to you was because, you know, I had, first time I, I uh, I got to see you was at the at PASIC with the um, Percussionist for Everybody um, panel. So if you, can you tell me a little bit about your experience doing that? Well, it was a lot of back and forth with Elizabeth, um, Elimater, mm-hmm. um, and then the other panelists. And um, because I was also in the committee, like the accessibility committee, um, I was also one of the people who suggested names. And for better or for worse, none of the names that I suggested were in the panel. <laughs> but I was fortunate to be with good people, like panel mates. Well, I, I lie. I, I I mentioned Andrew Brambridge yep. also on the to like as a nomination. Um, and I was fortunate enough to have like these different personalities and like backgrounds um, on the panel. It was also a lot of back and forth about um, logistics. 
um, for the battle panel and for the uh, DA booth? Well, one of the things that I I think that I know that you mentioned was just about how challenging it is for you and well, and you and the, the, the rest, I should say the whole panel, um, yeah. to just get to PASIC. Um, what, what were some, what are some of the things that come up for you that are just kind of the normal things that make it so that that was, that's just a challenge for you to even appear. Like flying and going to PASIC was, um, more of a financial thing of like, oh, do I have this money um, to book the hotel or like split it the hotel with somebody else, like an Airbnb or whatever? Do I have the money to fly from whatever? Do I have the logistical planning because I don't drive to get to um, um, for Lauderdale Airport or Miami to fly out? Um, so it was a whole planning thing with that. With my father, he like, does everything with like food. So I invited him like Burger King. There's like a Burger King next to the Miami airport. So he took me and then picked me up at like two in the morning when we came back. Cause it was like a delay for the snorkeling. Um, and then I got to my house like the, like the Monday after. It's also a thing about, is the hotel gonna give me an accessible um, room because my legs get tired. Um, especially since I put on some weight. So like walking all day, like from nine to 10 at night, like I want to lift my legs up to like go into a tub. And then they did, but there was a little incident that happened because there was not that many drains. Cause like the, the floor of the shower was the floor. Oh. And there was not that many drains. Mm. So like the whole floor got wet and um, one of my roommates, one of my friends, like he wanted to like shower right after me at like five in the morning the first day. So there's that, and then there's a whole thing of like, um, at basic, like I don't remember places. Like I'm the most, I guess, um, locationally challenged. So like you'll tell me like, oh, the panel is upstairs in the room, whatever. And then I like I've been to PSC before, and then I don't remember where the elevators are, so I'm there like freaked out in my mind, going on an escalator, and then trying like going in the wrong way, finding the Band of America people before I'm finding the room, hmm. um, which is on a different and, side of the, of the complex. Um, but that's where like the one elevator I knew of was there, like on that side, and then I found out afterwards because I was hanging out with um. With his other panel mates, like, and then he told me, like, oh, we're gonna go through this elevator, and apparently there's an elevator next to the, like, the little cafe thing, not the the big one, like the one that's like, um, near most of the rooms, and kind of underneath the air, like mm-hmm. the yeah, okay, yeah, and I found that out then after the panel. Ugh. I, I was actually it, it's when you said that I was I was actually trying to figure out where I was like I don't even know if I've seen an elevator. <laughs> it's like hidden. It's, it's like um, the little like to go place. It looks like a, it's just like a kind of like a subway. It's just like the little like covered thing. Yeah. I mean, you can get like I don't know what you can get there, but like I would always see like people there, and it's like ten table, like four tables on the side. 
And next to the table, there's like an elevator. You wouldn't see it if you didn't like know it. Wow. <laughs> New information. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, that's frustrating. One of the things that I know, because you mentioned the kind of the stuff with the hotel and, and elevator, but just, you'd also mentioned just the financial aspect of, of just trying to, of just trying to get out there. Well, what, what were some of the things that you, you know, you had to kind of just deal with just to, to, to set aside, you know, your main gig to even go. So for, at that time I was, um, working for a boy choir doing your finances. So that was like remote. And, um, so I didn't have to spend like a ton of money on Uber and stuff. Um, but I had like a little bit of savings. So like three months worth of savings and pause on buying like Cheetos and stuff was what I had to do. Sure. Because apparently PAS can pay students more money to go than people trying to teach them stuff. You mean uh, those who are doing like logistics kind of stuff? Is that, is that what you mean? No, no, I meant like the like scholarships and stuff. Oh. And then, well, like I won't say that Elizabeth trying to get me, um, try to like figure out if I could get a scholarship, but like I am been not a student since like the beginning of the pandemic. And like I feel sometimes that like if like student based scholarships and things like that to like attend a conference mm-hmm. are kind of like they, um, what's the word, include people who are like, for example, me. I'm like of age to be doing like a master's, like the typical age of doing like a master's. Mm-hmm. And I can't apply for like going to like, I'm not sure if there's like a NAM one to like get a scholarship to go to NAM as like a student, mm-hmm. something like that, or like pay, pay it. I cannot do like a student scholarship because I am not studying. Therefore, it includes people of age and like of similar like abilities and like knowledge of a student or whatever mm-hmm. to not go through a thing, which kind of emphasizes like um, like an access issue with like higher education, which I have a problem with. Especially like as a jazz wide player, there's not that many schools. And of most of the schools is in like places that actually have seasons and I cannot do that. Right yes, yeah. I hadn't even thought about how I guess if people are, are attending and they're in their I guess mid twenties, they're probably att- and they're attending like like you're saying, a- as you would, they would they would need to be connected. Mm-hmm. School wise, but if, if they're a freelancer, they're screwed. They're probably right, and they're or they're just not going. Mm-hmm. Or they're spending big money. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a that's yeah that's a f- fair point. Because I've talked to Elizabeth a few times here, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I I feel like the and, and it was also it was in your session, but in previous um. Uh, diversity sessions, focus sessions are one of the few times at basic where it even gets like just a little bit uncomfortable, you know, because, because, um, 
because it's like I someone like you're you were talking about a lot of stuff that either no one we hadn't like a lot of people there hadn't really thought about or were um, kind of relatively afraid to bring up. So. No, because if you're gonna make me spend big money, I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna speak my mind. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I will say that I don't know if between Elizabeth or um, or PAS. Mm-hmm. We did get Jimmy John, tiny little sandwiches and tiny little bags of chips and water. Mm. So I can't say they didn't give us any. Sure. But. Right. But that's not. No. Oh, for a hotel or no. flight or travel or. Yeah. Like I wouldn't have mind like rooming with all the guys. Like, right. And we all like if it was free. I felt like two hundred dollars. Like, could I play with hotel with people? Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of like access for you, you know, what kinds of things are are kind of when you are when you are going to gig? What are the things that you? What are the questions that you have to ask? Kind of whoever is hiring you, so that you can just accept. I mean, for lack of a, I get a better word, the main thing is obviously like the money. Mm-hmm. Can it? Does it cover like a quartet? Usually, like usually go with like a quartet. Mm-hmm. Um, if I go with a quartet, is it covering like the cost of living kind of situations? Like, like I would leave my house and play something for mm-hmm. like three hours for two hundred. So that's why I expect like the general um, thing for like random section people. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, will they pay that much? And then will they pay like cartage to me like when I'm selecting people like a rhythm section? Usually now because I have um, tiny vibe, I never want to take it apart ever again, ever in my life. I rented it out from somebody. I took it apart and then it all like I had it on the cart. Mm-hmm. And then my logic was to not have bungee cable. Mm-hmm. And then. Like I'm putting in the elevator of like my apartment, and for the first time, because the elevator doors do not ever close because you just stay open unless somebody's calling it from one of the other floors. No one's there, but the for the first time ever, this door is closed on the thing, like on the main part, and then like it all fell, and then um the woman who I was renting it to, and like hey come up the stairs and help me with this because I can't. And so, like, after that, like, I got bruised, like, so bad, like, on my back and, like, my arm. And, mm. like, after that, I'm never taking this thing apart. So, like, for logistics things, I will need somebody with, like, an SUV. Because it just barely fits into, like, a normal size SUV, like, standing up. Like, so it's just, like, somebody in the rhythm section, hopefully, with an SUV and can fit their instrument in mine. Um, and then just like plop it in there. Um, and then I've had like the last gig I had, um, the drummer, like his mom has a nativity or something. And I'm just like, hey, can I pay you like $50 more? Come get me and put this stupid instrument into your truck, the SV. And then hopefully it will fit your drum set. And it did. That's like a thing I have to think about, and if not, like I have to get like a U-Haul or something. Because like the other vibes I had, like um, 
I used to have a Yamaha combo vibe. And the first, like, I got it to compete with, like, the local jazz um, nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, it was, like, a whole thing of, like, we were going to go, and I was going to play, like, two tunes, and then that's it. So it was, like, at most, it was, like, ten minutes. I mm-hmm. went all the way almost to the beach. And, like, we got this U-Haul at, like, six in the morning on a Saturday. Um, like a pickup truck U-Haul. And then I'm loading it in. So I barely know how to, like, take it apart. So it was, like, within a week of getting it from eBay. Um, and I remember we had to, like, take it there. And then to get it off the truck was a nightmare. And this is the combo vibe. And then I played, and it was it took longer to bring it in then the whole time I was playing and then they were judging me and stuff. But um, I got one of the scholarships and they paid it off basically, uh, which is good. And I just sold it, which is also good because my house was looking like a percussion, like the um, cut down museum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't, I don't need two wives, you know? Yeah. That's a lot to, I didn't even getting it off the truck. No, but my guy, like the drummer, I'm yeah. like, hey, like let's do it, let's try it out at my mm-hmm. gig, and then we had like a a freebie um, big band gig with yeah. like, a community big band, mm-hmm. and then like if it works on, the, it was like our gig with the Thursday, and then the the big band gig with the Sunday, so I'm like, if it works, I'll tell the the guy, and then like just take my thing to the big band gig because it was near my house, it was like a little club, and um, I was like not sure of how he was going to do it so I took out the resonators and I put it in like this case because I have like some beater beater cases mm-hmm. with it that came with it and um, I had it separately and then I, I'm like not sure if, how it's going to work and then I'm going back upstairs to bring up my cart that had the, the bag mm-hmm. and by the time I come back down it's already in I'm like how how you know but he's just like boom, and then. Very cool. This is also things that, like you know, I don't have to. That I, I'm not thinking about is who has a who has the right who has a car, <laughs> or is related to someone who has a car. Mm-hmm. I could get my get my stuff in. And then you like now every like now I know everything contracts now because mm-hmm. there was one time where I had told my guitarist I'm like hey. Does anyone that you know, because I know he has like a Mustang or something, yeah. or like the, the other one, the Charger or whatever. Yeah. Um, so like I know like it can fit his guitar, his amp, and that's it. But yeah, I'm like, hey, do you know anybody that has a, like a truck? Because this was like the same gig, but like uh, an award show in June. Mm-hmm. And then um, I'm like, hey, do you know anybody? He's like, yeah, my dad, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Can you borrow that truck and then come to my house and then get the at that time with the combo lot? Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. And this guy, like, it's, he said, yeah, like around this time last year, mm-hmm. like May. Yeah. And then it's like the week before, I'm like, hey, this is my address. Can you still come get me? He's like, no, my dad's gonna go out of town with the truck. I'm like, Okay, what I'm gonna do now? And then I took it apart, and then I timed myself how to, like how long it took me. And then I'm like, okay, this is how long it takes. And then I'm like, can you take me and the like 
taking them part ride. And he's like, oh, yeah, maybe. And then, like, I couldn't get the pedal back on. Like, the rod thing. Have you ever seen, like, a Yamaha? Like, just that combo ride. That's why they made a new one. Because that rod is, like, temperamental sometimes. Uh-huh. Um, and so I'm like, I don't know, like, um, if I want to take this and not sure, like, if the pedal going to work. Because I want to be, like, rolling all night instead of pedaling. Um, so... And also there was like a mini hurricane happening outside right when I had to leave. Of course. I'm like, okay, I have the keyboard and it's just on my bag, like like a backpack kind of case. And then I have a, um, a fan. And then I tell the, this different drummer on the that gig, I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, do you have a keyboard fan? Cause I know he has like all set up. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, like, do you have a keyboard amp? That's what I mean. Um, he's like, yeah. I'm like, can you bring it? Does it fit in your car with your drum set? Like, yeah, barely. I'm like, can you bring it? And then, okay. He's thinking like I'm gonna do like electronics or something with the vibe. <laughs> and I show up, and then I'm like, I'm gonna play jazz organ. <laughs> and then for some reason, the Uber I got, like the guy had like the passenger seat taken out completely. And if I had known that, I would have just had the vibes already set up, like. It would fit, and I just I'm behind the driver, but I didn't know, so I just had like crazy leg room. <laughs> well, how long? Now that you you kind of explained some of that, well, how long did, did it fig, did you figure out it takes for you to to put it back together when you when you did that? Well, the Yamaha combo ride it took me like half an hour, kind of, because I'm also not look great with like putting stuff together and it's kind of like an Ikea furniture. At least oh. the instructions were. <laughs> and then like I said, this vibe, this tiny vibe, I'm never taking it apart. Yeah. Unless something's up with it, I never. Well, how big is that? The one that you're never taking apart, how, how big are, is that approximately? Okay, so it's like an M55. So it's like, um, like in width and um, length so it's like i think like 55 inches in mm-hmm. height and like 35 in width or something and it's only 29 inches tall okay so that's why it barely fits in the last uv like 10 you know which is really good because i don't need to take it apart amazing no that's great <laughs> is the is it just for for in terms of your you playing it, is it just the is is the the height the kind of the the main consideration? So yeah. That you can be successful on the instrument. Mm-hmm. Because like like if I go to like if I were to do like a master class somewhere, mm-hmm. and like if you invite me to like your studio, mm-hmm. what brand of vibes do you have in the? Do we have? I think we have a couple of different because we have an Adams. It's not my, I mean, I'm, I'm part of the studio, but I think we have like an Adams and a, and a um, Musser, I think. Okay. A couple of different versions. So, like, if like I came and the Adams is like, if I remember, it barely was a, like kind of a problem, like at its lowest, but it wasn't really. Um, it doesn't go very low. So, right, yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, but. Like, if you said, like, oh, come to my gig, or, like, I'm flying to um, Philly, where I know a bunch of, like, rhythm section players, yeah, yeah. and 
I go and I ask somebody, like everyone in Philly, besides like one or two people has um, an Omega. Mm. If I go and I borrow their Omega, I can't really, like I can barely play it. Like I can do as much as like a Expo Hall demo, mm-hmm. which is like notes and like random stuff. But I, I would not want to play like a gig on to tell, like normally. Because I know recently they've the um, some of them have height adjustment. I know the 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 new the new version of the one I had the new um, like tuning model combo vibe. There's mm-hmm. like a two one. Yeah. From Yamaha, they go to like almost the floor. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then um, I don't think they go that high, but like that would be good. I'm actually considering like getting that one that's like a non-important gig vibes. I talked to Sasha Berliner once or twice about like the um, one five, and apparently it goes shorter than the M fifty five. But I played um, uh, Blue House Brad one at the his uh, booth last basic, mm-hmm. and it wasn't like that much of a big deal. Um, but I heard that like the bars and like that, I think the bars are like heavier. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure about the resonators. I'm not sure about the frame. So I'm like, I don't want to be de- like, if I had to like take it apart for some reason, mm-hmm. I would not want to, de- like I could barely carry the like one side of the M55 bars. I don't want to deal with like anything heavier. And then I know there's the Dynasty one, which um, the weird like um, automatic little button thing. Um, but I don't know how short it goes or how tall it goes. Is there a like a max that you know in terms of like if the like you, or you know some like some brands are just like this not I I, I can't can't use it comfortably um, because a lot um, a lot in my studies like uh, I had to use like a beat up I think nineties and fifty five mm. it was on like one of those marching frames. I think it's like a um, one of those um, two cool percussion things. It's just like it holds the actual frame like this, and then like cupped up um, under it, and then has like monstrous wheels, like right. monstrous wheels. Yeah. Um, and that with that, I think it was like thirty inches mm-hmm. at its lowest. Um, uh, but I always had to share it with like the symphonic band and like other people when I was starting out. Mm. So like it would never be at 30 inches. And it was like a whole thing of like getting a wrench and like bringing it, like taking out like a, um, a bolt and then like smashing it down. to, and then like putting back the bolt in. So like I don't, like I have um, like a Swiss army knife thing with like a tuner, a wrench and stuff like that. But like every time if like, it was every week kind of thing, I wouldn't mind like, doing some weird like artistic decisions of playing it at like 32 inches or something mm-hmm. because I didn't feel like messing with the pedal, messing with the, the wrench and stuff because that the pedal on that one was like a nightmare too. Uh, like the whole rod thing and then we had to get like a, a replacement. So like even with the replacement, it was kind of still like iffy. Mm-hmm. So like even if it was at like 31, 32, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna leave it there and then not touch it because like oh we have like a a form where we have a recital where like juries 
I'm not gonna touch it because if I touch it, there's no one here like after Tuesday. That's one of the percussion um, teacher was there. And then the jury is on Friday and I don't wanna play a mechanic right before the jury. So I just like kept it there. And I actually, um, one time we were in the studio with the combo and for some reason it was like super high. I think like the symphonic band had, had like a concert like the weekend before. And I'm like, but the pedal is really nice. Mm -hmm. So uh, like it's like really firm and stuff. At that time, it was like we had like five minutes until we were starting like recording or like getting like sound check and stuff. And like, it's too high. Uh, so I told my friend, I'm like, hey, can you go get, there's like unused books, music dictionary kind of thing. Or like it's like Ophelia, it's like really old and no one uses them. And like, can you go to this room and find me like, give me like four or five of those and then give me a piece of, like a couple pieces of copy paper or like leftover paper. Yeah. And then she comes with that and then arrange them like, uh, to have like enough, um, like face to like move around a bit behind the pedal. And then I obviously put like the paper so it not mess up the covers. But I'm telling you, these are old books. They were like from early 1900s, like just brown cover. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no one is using them or like I've never seen somebody read out of that. But um, it was fine. And then obviously you hear um, in the recordings, you hear like paper noises, like my shoes on the papers, like um, when I'm like moving around. But like it's better than like having to do like um, this weird and obnoxious arm movements um, if it's like, if I'm just standing on the floor. Um, so that became like that was like the first iteration of my weird modification thing because. Um, they also had bought um, an M55, like a newer one, like an M55 for, um, because I was like, after like, for a whole three years, I was bugging them like, hey, this thing's messed up, can you buy another one or can you like, because like, it was as much to fix it as mm -hmm. it was basically to like, buy it or like something that like, they would rather like, do all their like, um, purchase orders and things to buy like an actual store. Right. Instead of like, some random guy like, um, co-percussion or like, um, the other guys, the other people, or whatever. So like other than Fabric Store, like um, at that time Sweetwater didn't have it, but like one of them or um, one of the local shop they can that they had like connections with um, Mustard that they can rent it out, like buy it from them and then ship it out to us. Um, so they bought a new the new M55 and it was it came that day of our recording session, but like he didn't like the chef director didn't tell me until like the week after and also like we didn't want to like play ikea furniture with it right before the session sure. um so after um they had it all set up and um i'm putting like it's ready and then it's like oh we have like a like a combo class it's like they learn just learning tunes and then i just like volunteered to play with them and i was doing nothing so like um i just wanted to play like learn tunes and stuff um and so we had this new M55, and then I go up to it, and it's, the lowest is like, I think 32 inches. And I'm like, I cannot play this. And then I'm like, oh, there's reams of copy paper. 
um, and I told my friend, the one who brought me the books the last time, like, can you get me the, the copy paper, like, pack? And then she gets me, like, the same, like, five, four or five. And I put them down. And then tag a couple. And um, uh, then the teacher had, like, um, somebody gave, gave him a watch. So he had the box of a watch. It was, like, one of the combo guys. And then... Um, he brings me this box, and then I'm like, okay, we have a box. I'm telling him, like, I cannot reach the pedal, and it doesn't go high enough. And so he's giving me the box, and then I'm like, oh, then we need, like, a bunch of cables or some kind of thing. And then we get, like, the rubber band. Um, And then we, like, put, like, six or seven rubber bands the first time. I'm like, oh, now I can play, kind of. And that was, like, the, the original modified thing which I think we showed at the, the panel and then eventually because I told them like oh like the department like hey you you didn't want to buy a custom one um because we almost got an Omega and because like some guy at, at Malatech he um was like oh yeah we can cut it down to like 29 inches but it's gonna be x amount of money and then okay uh, and then like the whole committee of people that had to say yes they didn't want that because we also like I also wanted them to get like a different bar color because the main like uh, combo gate is like in a place that's like really dark all black floor like black curtains and then I wouldn't be able to see them well between like differentiate between the bars the instrument frame and the floor so I'm mm. like I need a different color and so like with the amount of the cut, like the, the height thing and the different colors, they're like, oh, we don't want this. And it was like a whole fight to get the M55. So when I told them, like, okay, we well, can get this, but you have to get me like a platform or something. So they got me uh, like a little stand thing, like a little platform. It was like really tiny. It's like a step stool kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not seen it since the pandemic. So, But like... Um, that worked okay, like, in the practice room, but, like, I could not move. I had to be, like, doing this weird, like, uh, physical movement to, like, because it was, like, you could put two feet in there, like, and I have small feet, so I wouldn't want to know how, like, someone with, like, normal size feet, like, would have to move on that thing. Because uh, it's, like, it's made to be, like, a step taller. You have something in the cabinet, and it's too tall, you step on it, that's it. Right. It's not really made to, like, go and move. Like, you have three octaves of instrument, and you can move and all that stuff. Um, and then I was okay, like, especially, like, if I had to go, like, learn a part in the practice room, I would just do it in a weird moment here, but then unlearn the weird moment um, afterwards. Mm-hmm. And then I found out by accident that one of the, you know, the conductor podium, like, mm-hmm. where the conductor stand? yeah. I found out by complete accident when I was like playing around and I'm like, I don't want to bring the, the stupid little heavy, um, platform all the way to this room, like the, with the combo rehearsals. And so like as a, as a joke, I like brought the, the conductor stand and then I like had everything. I'm like, Oh, this actually works. This is better than the, the stupid little stand. Um, well, because it's, I mean, is it, like, wide. pretty wide, right? And it's, like, around the same height. Mm-hmm. Usually, like, like, if I had, like, a tech writer, I would need, like, I would put, like, 
and fifty five or like and forty eight or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then a conductor time or something else at eight inches or something. Cause that's like the thing now, especially now that I don't like no one knows where that little platform went. Yeah. Um and that's the thing now. But like I always had to like with both platforms or all those like things, I always had to like hover over the pedal, which is not like really ergonomic. Because yeah, sometimes yeah. like the pedal would be like a little under, but I still get it like with like um like my toes. But I have to do like a weird um like lean into the vibe kind mm-hmm. of thing, which is not fun. And so like when I got tiny vibe, it was like, Oh, now I can stand on the floor and I don't have to do like weird like acrobatic gymnastic kind of lean. I was a mat when you were described when you got to the the part about the uh, platform. I, I was thinking, I, I was thinking about like if you you were you'd be gigging and you like that's not something you can travel with, no, <laughs> unless it's collapsible. That's why, like for the the big band gigs, I'm like, okay, uh, like originally before I knew this guy had the the SUV, mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, okay, um, for example, there's like one like next next week, but it's like almost Miami and like okay when like the new jazz director lives like a little bit north for me pick me up get the cool vibes bring the conductor stand put the conductor stand under the like the drum set and then that'd be good because they're like renting out a van or something but if not like and then they're like like somebody was like I don't know who like one of the people who like does a lot of different things like oh we don't know if we can fit the vibe the the you know like the big band kind of like music stand Play the saxophones and stuff. Yep. We don't know if we can fit that, the vibe, the drum set, and the, the stand. Maybe we can fit the bi- vibe, but not the stand. I'm like, okay, if there's no stand, I can't play. So, figure it out. Um, so, it's like, that's a thing. And then, originally, before the idea of like just making like a custom vibes came up, I was like, oh, maybe we can make a weird um, stand, like platform that also has like a weird levy to like hit the pedal. Like for example, the pedal is like under mm-hmm. and the platform goes over like basically all the um, real estate space that you have to walk around the vibe or like move around the vibe like behind it. If the platform goes under the vibe and does not um, touch the resonator, but also has a levy to like hit the pedal like, um, just like for example for me eight inches mm-hmm. if that levy like on the under part hits the the pedal as like and I'm like controlling it at the same time so imagine like a block mm-hmm. um, at the bottom it's like an eight inch block at the end um, the bottom hits the pedal and I'm controlling things so I can still walk around and I don't have to be hovering around that was a thing but then I like, tried to shop it to a couple of people and then like either they were busy or that was my priority. So um didn't happen. Or like I did talk to one person, but like the logistics of making it and then shipping out to me was like as much as like the custom height thing that um Malatech was trying to sell. Yeah. So the college. So I'm like, okay, learn that. That's an idea of like gonna be expensive. And then two like, if it was, like, the custom order, like, it's not mass-produced, but it's, like, mass-marketed so, like, anyone could buy it, mm-hmm. that would not be uh, economically viable to get 
that vein from them unless you were around them, you know. So then like, we just stopped on that. When you're you're telling me all this, the a couple of thoughts that that came to mind. One was, it sounds like any instrument that you'd be using would have to have some type of like modification specific to you, right? I mean, it like you can't just walk in and say, "I want this." It's you have to. It's kind of like no, I, I need it with like it can't be this can't, can't be like it has to be this tall, and I have to be able to fit like right. You know, just like all these things that are just for me. Uh, when I'm playing congas, like the rare time I'm like publicly playing congas, I mm-hmm. never want to understand. So like I'll be like, oh, like same situation with yeah. the vibe. Like like I do not want it that it is usually like kind of an organ ergonomic for me even when it's like just on the floor mm-hmm. so like i bought myself the like one of those portable congas like a couple of them mm-hmm. and then like i thought to buy some like their fan like the drop set kind of their fan yep. um for them because a it's easier to like move around yep. and it's like wherever i i wanted that basically and also because i live in an apartment and it will get too loud to have like um, actual conga with tile floor. <laughs> you know. You gotta practice though, Jen. That's mm-hmm. the thing. Like your neighbors just have to deal with the fact that you gotta practice. Mm-hmm. It, like this does this also include where your your like a music stand would kind of make sense for you as well, too, right? In terms of um, your setups there? Yeah, like when I used to be on like the platform, I had it like I don't remember where I learned this from, but I had it like because I was so tall against the vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, I had it like the bars, and then it was the music stand kind of like crept up behind the bars. Mm-hmm. And then now I'm like I don't I don't care because I don't read that much. Mm-hmm. Um, like um, because like something's up with me that I cannot sight read, mm-hmm. so um. And more memorizing stuff, and if I have a sheet or like um, chord changes out, is like if I have chord changes, it's because I don't remember the changes. Mm-hmm. If I have music out, like for like big band arrangements, it's just to remember like, oh, this whole part, like we're here and hearing this part is like the whole um, the saxophone is taking like two choruses for no reason, but it's in the music. So like I know like if I ever would forget, like yeah, that's it, and then like. How many bars am I repping? Like when you you still have to write out like MapQuest directions, mm-hmm. yeah. and then you put it in shorthand kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Like oh, you know how to get like uh from the airport to like uh like the Walmart. So yeah, yeah. you just know like shorthand kind of stuff. So like sometimes I wouldn't even have genius. I'll just have shorthand. Like oh, it's like after the horn through this, then it's like ten bars. And then you do something. Are you good at memorizing? Um, if it's like something like, for example, like when I was like studying, everyone like we're playing like the same eight tune. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like you tell me, it's been two years of pandemic, and I have been slacking on trying to um review tune. If yep. you tell me like off the top of my head, play this tune. I did not play it in this past like couple weeks of gigs. I will not. 
And then, like, that's more of a thing of, like, me trying, having to review stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like, memorizing is, like, the only way I can get stuff. Like, you can call me, like, to play with the UNT on uh, one o'clock band because we're playing one of the guy director's um, arrangement, like, tune. Mm-hmm. And it has, like, an optional wide part. If you called me to go fly out to um, Denton to play that tune, I would be able to do that, like, without sheet music because I've been playing that tune and like rehearsing it for the past like two months or something like that so like that's not a problem on the spot less stuff less so the shorthand that's what the shorthand is for i mean you can't just call out like that giant that's in like expect <laughs> me to just hit it right. <laughs> you're fine you got it <laughs> awesome Let's. I want to back up. So, did you have you did you grow up in South Florida? Is that where you you've been your your entire life, or have you moved around? Um, I'm Florida born and raised, but I moved up to Orlando to do like most of elementary school. I'm actually trying to. Um, I actually applied to for the Jazz Educators Network conference because they move around and mm-hmm. they're going to be in, like Orlando, which is actually just like a suburb, which is the part of Orlando. Orlando that yeah. Disney is in, so yeah. like that's why it's like super expensive the hotel and all this stuff. I'm like, oh, I want to play in my whole like I want to do because I, I applied to do like another panel mm-hmm. with some of the people from um, the Pacific panel, and then like some of the people that I wanted to, like one of the people that I wanted, and like something happened, and then like some other instrumentalist. Um, so I'm like, I want to present and I want to play with my non-existent group that I made up to apply mm-hmm. in my hometown, kind of. So, like, I'll know about, like, if they accept it in July. Gotcha. Now, uh, do you have any family members in the arts? I heard that my great-grandpa mm-hmm. from my mom mom's side played accordion. Ooh. And, that, like, he wanted to teach my grandma accordion, but she wanted to learn piano. And it was, she, like, her biggest, like, one of her regrets is like, oh, I should have learned because it's the same thing, but like horizontal. Right. So like, and then um, my grandpa uh, made my mom do, or like let my mom do guitar lessons. And mm-hmm. we have a guitar in our house, but I never see her play it. Oh. Um, my sister uh, did saxophone in like middle school and like a bit of high school. My mom always tried to like dissuade me from doing band because we're like a month, a year and something, like and a half apart. So like, if she was in the school, there's like most of the chance that I was in the school because we're like a year apart in, in school age, like school mm-hmm. grade. So like, if she wants to play saxophone, it's like X amount of money, like a month. I'm not gonna pay for like this is her logic. So, like, I'm not gonna pay for you to um to um. The like rent out your instrument, and then I'm like, but like you know, I want to do like for some reason I really wanted to play trumpet. Mm. I, that was a good idea that she taught me because I would have been like, I would have had the most god awful trumpet sound. And then my grandma on my father's side, she is not trained, but she has like a good voice. Well, how did uh, you come to percussion then? When I was studying, like in um. I have an associate in, in like audio technology. Mm-hmm. So at that time, the like the curriculum was like you take classical theory, 
So that's the only thing that I offered. Classical theory, um, like a music business class, a music marketing class, um, more tech-related stuff like recording MIDI and stuff like that, um, like live sound. And then at that time, there was a requirement that you do like two less, two semesters of lessons and like two ensembles. And then it was like, oh, you would see like at a certain point, like people would start taking lessons and it would be like, oh, there's a lot of guitarists here who like maybe some of them just want to be producers. That's it. Like in like the the hip hop, they make kind of producer sense. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes in like the actual producer sense of like, like Quincy Jones, like them. Um, and then there was other people who was like, oh, they're good singers. Uh, and then they would be in choir and then uh, classical vocalists because there was no jazz at that time. And like for most of the time. Um, and then like, they would be, or they would be in like a combo and singing or like playing guitar or whatever. And then if you didn't play anything, most of the chances you would take your, your two um, semesters in percussion, sure. like classical percussion. And then like some people would play, do like the jazz percussion, which was like the drum set. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the teacher, like, um, he would start everyone off on, off a, like a, a scanned copy of some book, some rudiment book. And my thought originally was like, oh, I'm going to learn how to play congas. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. And then um, the first day he had us all together, like um, before lesson, he's like, oh, you guys are in the tech program. You guys, are, like his main thing, he was like, um, you're going to learn how to make beats and then you'll know the actual element to make the beat. And the rhythm and stuff. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna learn conga. That's it. Um, and in the room that we had our lessons in, uh, there was like a marimba. It was like super high because the two um, actual classical percussion um, students were like six, six, like two and three. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was like a set of timpani. There was a piano, and there was a beat up vegan vibes, and there was the a crabby little uh, snare drum. They had no snares, and it sounded so horrible. And then every week it was like, okay, learn, play this um, this line of this sheet. And then I can't read that well. And so, like, it would be like the simplest thing. Like, um, if you, like, told it to me, if you played it to me, I would be able to play it back to you. But if you told me, like, off the paper, read this, this new one. Yeah. And then, it would be like um, the end of one, and then like a um, a sixteen note, an eighth note, and then it was like easy shit. But like for me, I could not read that. And so like it was like a couple times, a couple weeks of him trying to get me to do that. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't like this. I don't like this instrument. I don't like this reading. I don't like this. I want to learn congas. He's like, no, you have to learn this to read the stuff for the congas. And then I was also in the percussion ensemble. Um, like, because the percussion ensemble was made up of, like, the two or three actual percussion majors or, like, music ed, whatever. They were, like, percussion lesson actual people. Um, and then, like, a bunch of tech people uh, that, like, just trying to get the credit. And then we would play, like, a lot of Lalo Davila pieces, like, mm-hmm. arrangements and, like, other cute stuff. Because uh, the guy, the director, is Peruvian, and then he likes his, like, Latin stuff. And then like one off or another, he'd be like, oh, here's like a lead sheet, and then we're gonna make an arrangement. 
jazz piece. And then like was like at the time that was hip, but looking back it's not hip. It was like oye como va, and then like making like a cute arrangement. Cause I was also in like a class piano, like I was finishing the class piano requirement, and then the teacher was like the final was like play a jazz tune. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know, this is a classical class piano lesson, but this one is like oh take one of these like four four or five jazz tunes, and then here's like a handwritten like receipt. Mm-hmm. And I learned it, and then at the time I didn't know what like I was learning like seven chords in like the theory class, and mind you like I did not have any like music education before this, so I'm like okay, um, but I'm like doing the most vanilla voicing, like I'm playing for the the class and for the final their final, and then one time in percussion ensemble um the teacher is like he goes to the bathroom like make copies or something, and then I'm like I tell my friend well, my friend. I'm like, hey, look at I play jazz. And mm-hmm. then I get behind the vibe because it was like the shortest one of all the instruments up there. Uh and then I'm um, just like playing the like the melody. And then right as I'm doing that, the teacher comes back and he's like, Oh, you play vibes? Because I told him originally, I'm like, Oh, I'm like a frustrated keyboardist. So like I was like, Oh, you know, you know like note. I guess like the the melodic kind of stuff, not just like thing. It's like, oh, you know, he he comes in. It's like a huge like rehearsal, like for like the size of like an orchestra or like a symphony man. So he's like on the bottom. He's like, oh, you play jazz, you play vibes. I'm gonna get you to do jazz vibes. That's it. That's what you're gonna do. And then that's what we did for like four or five semesters afterward. And then like one day, like the whole semester, I'd be like, oh, teach me how to play cajon. Teach me how to play um, conga. Um, and one time we we tried to, he tried to get me to learn how to play tambourine, did not happen. So this is my little um, advertisement. If anyone wants a Grover tambourine, I have one and I cannot play it. But yeah, and then like he tried to get me to play timbales and I can play the other like the parts, but not all of it together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I learned how to play um, a go-go and like. Other like Brazilian stuff from like a Brazilian music thing that the University of Florida came down to, to teach, and they had like guest artists and stuff. So I learned that from them. And then once my teacher left because he left to get um, a full time gig doing um, music ministry and like the Spanish um, the sermons and Spanish. He's like the Spanish pastor too. He had that he had that uh, full time gig, so he left. And then I was like, oh, I want to take lessons with the piano, the jazz piano teacher, to learn voicing. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like route, like repetition concept, the same stuff. I'm like, okay, is it good? I don't want to say I'm not that disciplined, but I'm not someone that likes to just like do. This is the one way to do this. And then it was like different kinds of like voicings of the same like like rhythm changes or whatever. And then it was like, okay. There's like a lesson to learn from this, but I'm not feeling this. And the same thing when I took a, a, a lesson from um, the guy that was my boss, and he was in charge of the tech program. Um, he's also a really killing jazz guitar. The whole lesson, it was just like, okay, comping, but comp on different like parts of the beat. As I couldn't read the, the syncopated stuff, I just remember like the, like the swing conga pattern. And then that's how I know, like, which is, like, the, the end of two, the end of three, whatever. And then that's, that was, like, the whole semester. 
like September to December, kind of just that, and then like bebop girls just like going down and up. And I'm like, okay, there is a lesson to this. Mm-hmm. I don't think at the time I was like, I don't like this, but um, now I appreciate the consistent of the same thing mm-hmm. because now I can play bebop girl at different tempos, and that's it's like one of the skills besides like the main like Greek scales, like the modes and stuff, and like a couple others that I like no. Like the back of my hand. You started doing playing percussion when you got to college? Mm-hmm. And then it was only, I only played vibe probably mm-hmm. because the digging beat of vibes was the shortest thing in that room. And then I, because I'm, uh, again, a frustrated keyboardist, um, I thought it sounded like an electric piano. And then uh, they, neither of the vibes, the two vibes had the motor working. Mm-hmm. whole semester into me playing and then um, they fixed up the one the the, the M55 on the weird marching band theory mm-hmm. uh, and they put the, the motor and they got it working I'm like oh my gosh that was it that was my, I'm like this I'm playing this that's it because he tried trying to get me to do like marimba solos like like baby marimba solos mm-hmm. but I'm like I don't like this like I don't not like this and I like like the timbre of the marimba yeah Especially in like um, Latin jazz, yep. but not like it's good that I did not have own the marimba or have to own the marimba because that would not fit in my house. You know, before you get to that point and you you find this this vibraphone that that works for you, um, what what kinds of things were you interested in, just musically or not? Just kind of even just getting to that point. Originally, I went like I was looking at a couple of schools. But then I ended up on at the college because uh, we have a couple of scholarships from um, um, like local places, and because um, there was like a language scholarship that like I got because um, my Japanese teacher mm. uh, showed me about it, and then I just like put like because there everyone was like super amazed and like oh you know Japanese, and at the time I could like tell you stuff like a whole like story or something, mm-hmm. um, and I did like competitions about like um. There was like a couple language competitions, and I did, and it was like the the stuff that we had to do was like tell a story, but like, like I told a story about like going to a red lobster with like some friends, and then like like and then like little phrases and things. So like I got a, like a good scholarship from like some Ford thing, mm-hmm. and then I got like all the stuff. So like the first semester, I got paid, like and. Um, I was fortunate enough to like financially aid and pay rents and stuff covered like what the college was charging mm-hmm. and then some. The first year, I bought a bunch of stupid stuff, <laughs> um, and because I knew that the college it was like cheap, mm-hmm. it was like okay, I'll go there and stay like somewhere like an hour away, like um, FAU or like the the one of the schools in Miami. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how am I going to do logistics of living and all that when I can till here get at least the gen ed done, the rest of the gen ed done because I had like AP classes and stuff mm-hmm. and then chill. Uh, so I did, I wasted a bunch of money on the wisdom. One thing that I did with the money on the good stuff is the computer that I still have since 2014 that I'm using right now. 
I originally wanted to go to school for just like audio engineering. That's it. Mm-hmm. And then, but then I realized like I was in the the live recording class, which is like the whole semester is just like you record a live band and then you mix it, and then like to mix it, I did like um because we had to do covers of like pop songs mm-hmm. because he didn't want any jazz. But still, at that time, I wasn't really into jazz, like no really much. Um, they want like pop songs to like make it like a commercial kind of thing, and so they like, I'm like, what's the cover that I do not like? I would not hate if I hear it like a million times, like mixing it like the same like guitar part or whatever the vocal. Sure. So I did uh, uh Michael Jackson Working Day and Night with oh, a singer, with a singer that sounded like Justin Timberlake, uh, and then um I remember like I was like uh mixing it like near the end like um when like a draft mix of two mm-hmm. like i hate this i don't want to do this that's not what i want to do um because like a lot of hours they're just like looking at portal and like zooming in and then like it's like, an eyesore an earsore even if i like the song mm-hmm. um so i'm like i don't want to like that was two years into it and like i don't want to do this so i started doing the associates in like general music to also start doing combos and um, do more lessons and things like that in the last two theory classes. Um, and then like, I'm gonna transfer somewhere. Um, that didn't happen because the like, I'm like, okay, this is like 2018, 29, 2018 or like 2017. Um, I went to a couple, well, one local place and then it's like one teacher who teaches there and at UM, like University of Miami. And then I go to this one place. I meet the director of band and stuff that would be charge of like the vibes as like, because he was like director of like the wind, brass, and percussion. So like the percussion studio was under him in terms of like maintaining the instruments and stuff. So I, I talked to him, I'm like, hey man. And he showed me like the percussion room, studio, whatever. A complete mess. And then, the, like you would think if Miami will have like nice like congas and stuff, no? It looked like a percussion thrift store. And <laughs> the vibe was like, um, I think it was Yamaha with like a Ross, um, um, like motor controller thing. Did not work. Uh, and then it was like, okay, you can chill here and, and like warm up before your audition. And then I'm like, okay. It's like, but do you have another vibe? Because it's tall and like, by this time I wasn't thinking about like modification because I was barely playing. Like the first time I auditioned. And then, um, it's like, oh, we have some with the marching band, blah, blah, blah. Cause they have like an indoor thing. Mm-hmm. And then you, like, if you come here, you can probably borrow. You don't tell somebody, prospective student, like with need, like you can probably borrow them because there's no certainty that you can get a usable instrument. Um, so there was that, and then audition, and then the the guy, the teacher, liked me, and said, okay, but and again, I was gonna uh, go on, and like my major was gonna be like technology, but the guy there was more of like the weird like percussion plus echo, electronic kind of new music kind of technology. Which at the time I was completely turned off by. Now mm-hmm. it's kind of cool, but I wouldn't want to major in it. 
So like when you find me this, I'm like, because mm. you have to like interview with the with the director, and like, mm. and then so I just like didn't go for like a year. I had auditions again, but I just sent him the videos, and he's like the 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 jazz guy is like, oh yeah, you're in. And I also went to the mandatory like open house thing, and I met the director of jazz there at the time, and I'm like, okay. Cause I know um, they had like a scholarship. They were trying to get like trombone players, mm-hmm. and then they also opened up a like piano, jazz piano scholarship. I'm like, okay. And then he's like, oh, we never had a jazz band major. I'm like, okay, so scholarship, with the scholarship. Um, and he's like, oh no, like we have scholarships for trombone players, we really need some for the big band, and then we also have the the jazz piano scholarship. I'm like, if I take lessons with the jazz piano teacher, can I get the scholarship? <laughs> And then it's like, oh, and then I'm like, okay, what the situation with the vibes now? It was like a year later or two. Um, uh, it was, was, I think, it was last time, the last time was like 2017, this was like 2018. And then um, I go, okay, what is the situation with the vibes? And then it's like, oh, yeah, here's the vibe. It's the same, not like weird, Yamaha, Ross, whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm like, okay, it does sound terrible. It doesn't have a motor. I'm not turning into Gary Burn soon, so like, I don't, I don't, I don't mess like that. And I'm like, okay. And then he goes like, oh, but if you have your own set, you can leave it in that, in that room for you to use. I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, I'm not gonna leave it in that percussion thrift store looking place and for other people to use. But even though at the time it was still the, the Yamaha combo vibes. So I'm like, it's not that much of an offensive thing. If it were to like get messed up, but like, why do I have to put like that's not, like a liability issue? Like, if I have to put my things in there, when somebody can take it. So I'm like, hmm. and I left, and then I never auditioned there again or like had any interest because also like the program, like the jazz. Cause I was gonna at that point I was like gonna be a jazz major, and then at that point I'm like, hmm. I'd rather just take lessons with the 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 teacher off. Off the books come. The next year comes, and then the teacher's like, Oh, are you gonna apply to here or UM? I'm like, No, UM is a lot of money, and like, they have their own little clicks. Like, I've seen them around, like, um, I went to go watch Warren Wolf in Miami <laughs> recently, and they had like a whole little pocket of people, and like, I know one or two of them, and they would say hi, but the rest of them were like, like, hush hush kind of people. And so I'm like, I don't, I don't like that. And then they have money. Even if, like, I know people to get, like, full scholarships and stuff. But I'm like, I don't really like this teacher to want to go to UM. And then, like, maybe live with my father because he lives, like, 15 years away. I don't know. Um, so that, I'm just like, oh, I don't want to do this. It's like, and then the guy, the guy, unnamed person, he's like, uh, oh, then you don't want it enough. I'm like, Okay. And then um I finished my degree in uh management, like regular management. Mm-hmm. Because I just wanted to stay like working at the college, which in retrospect was a bad idea because I got a job tutoring at the college for more money, but that's another story. I graduated like in the pandemic, like on um, the summer the first summer of the pandemic I graduated and then like they were iffy about having like an impression one, like a graduation in that 
December. Yep. So yeah. we had like another PowerPoint dreams presentation graduation thing that I forgot about. But I already walked for my associates, so I'm like, I don't, I don't care. I don't have money to be spending on a, a black robe instead of a blue robe. Uh, so that was that. And then um, I, I take I took up um, random odd jobs and like little gigs, like non-playing gigs. Um, in the first like year or so of the pandemic, mm-hmm. I didn't get unemployment because it was I was working as a work study, so that's un, non-taxable. That was it was like as if I was not never working, so I never got a dime of unemployment. But I'm good with like budgeting my stuff, so like it was just, my income was very strapped to say the least. Um, and then I took up like random stuff like uh calling at a musical like it was like kind of like a call center like um cold calling mm-hmm. like a week because that guy was weird both, he also hired my mom we both were there as a week but he didn't know we were related so like he introduced me to my mom and that was like the funniest thing um i also worked um as like a receptionist for a construction company um i think they're out of business because no they never sent me like a 1099 but i didn't get um, anything from that. Um, I worked as a per- personal assistant for a lady who did like um, women's empowerment. Okay. A complete with I thought how much it was to attend with the money, but it was a nice hotel, really expensive. I I had to um, clock her out, like um, check her out. I saw that bill, expensive, nice hotel. So. Um, and then she just like it was good, like. It was like off indeed, and I met her, and it was like, oh, if I hire you this weekend, and I need you for like three weeks, three days of this weekend for the event, and help me set up and stuff. So she hired me. She took me to the hotel like first uh, night to see where the stuff was and see the banquet hall thing to set up stuff. And then I worked for her for like two days, and then she, it was supposed to be like this is the event, and then you're gonna help me doing like graphic design and then like personal assistant stuff. With that company, and she did like a tutoring company. After she paid me my money, um, the like two day after, silent. Mm-hmm. Never heard from her again. Like I emailed her, called her, and I'm like okay, I got with the boy choir because um they like that I had like experience with nonprofit and things like that, and they like that I'm a musician, whatever. That had like little experience in QuickBooks and things like that, and then I saw their QuickBooks. And then it was like a nightmare. Um, and then I was waiting for somebody to help me like interpret like these old accounts and stuff. Nothing happened. And then they switched um, board members. And then once they switched the board members, they come my hours like a lot. Mm-hmm. And then until like after PASIC, I, I, I come back and then like the lady's like, but I had told him, like, I'm going to be out um, for, like, these days. And contact me if you really need me. But I'm going to be, like, out the whole day. Because basically, like, the whole day. Yeah. I come back. And the lady, the new, like, president, she's like, oh, I'm going to meet up with you to kind of touch base. And then she means, like, I'm like, oh, okay. And then I can update her about this. And then she's like, oh, I'm going to have to lay you off. So, like, if you can, like, close your stuff, like, finish your stuff and send over whatever is, like, pending. I'm like, okay. And at that same time, when I'm about to fly out to Hazen, um, my coworker who is now 
kind of took half of the, my gig there. Yeah. Which is okay. He's like, oh, the because there's like a girl, like a girl choir is like in the same building. They rehearse in the place. They need a mallet player for their Christmas gig. I'm like, oh, send her my name and my contact. He's okay. As I'm fly, like, I'm like waiting for the the flight to go to Paris, and then she texted, she emailed me, and I got the gig, and that's why I had Glock gig. Mm-hmm. Like it was like three different concerts that helped me survive December without a, a job. And then I've been looking for like a part-time to help with the reduced hours that I was going to have at the boy choir. So I tried to, uh, I got in touch with the college and like, oh, I'm going to be a writing tutor. And then the play wasn't that good, but like to help with the, the reduced hours, I'm like, okay, whatever. And I'm good at English and writing. And so um, I started that in January this year. And then... I just left because I got the gig with the theater department, and it's mostly remote. And then in between, I have like random gigs and things. And then I also help with one or two big organizations I've been helping in like the past couple of years. And I feel like being out of like the higher ed system has been well, like as a student because I'm still like, I teach I. Help the theater department. I eventually had to register students and stuff like that. But um, being out of it as a student has like opened me up for like better opportunities. I think I don't know if it's that or like mixed with like the accessibility of like everyone being on Zoom for the pandemic, overlapping when I graduate after I graduated and stuff. But like I feel like more like I'm still like running around like trying to contact everybody. And like email everybody back, but like I feel like it's like I can do more gigs instead of like freaking out like when I was studying and then working and I have a gig on a Thursday night and then I have to like try to leave early to get home to get the vibe to go to the gig, you know. Well, I would imagine if you're able to work remotely, if nothing else, that at least you can. You can. It feels like you could probably do your job at on your own time, and gig as you need. Or do you have to actually like? Are you doing more kind of clock in? Because like my main, because like for the department, so it's not just for theater. Yeah. yeah. But like once they have like shows, it'll be like if they need me at night. Right. Then I'll there, but like um, I kind of made a schedule, so it's like more like when the other people. Like my full time counterpart is there, or when my boss is there. So like if something happens, like right now they're like bugging the teachers about their grade. Sure. Like <laughs> I had to be there within like nine to five to bug the teacher right. about their grade, not like at like nine at night calling somebody like, "Hey, your grades are due today." Right. When you are getting to perform, um, how much of what you're playing is stuff? I guess it's because you said you play a lot with a quartet. Mm-hmm. Um, does that mean that you're you're picking all the lit there, or are you or, or whatever gig you're taking? Are they expecting like a certain repertoire that you just have, or or is it things that you have to do a lot of prep for? Um, these corporate gigs is like a lot of background music. Mm-hmm. They, they don't care. They just like I, I remember I made a contract with um, this one that's been I've had the gig for like four years now mm-hmm. um 
So it's like she show whatever like it's like food and wine, so it's like little samplers and stuff. Yeah. So it's like just make make noise and not loud. So like mm-hmm. she we she literally put like soft jazz slash soft rock. I'm like I don't even know what that is. Is that like Doobie Brothers? But like right. I'm not gonna play that. Yeah. Um, so like I didn't. Well, do it could just be you could just be Doobie Doobie Brothers chords, and then you're just you're soloing on top of it, and you're like, well, that's what you I, that's what I do. <laughs> uh, but. Um, and then some people like at the, by the like middle of the night, there's like a bunch of people like getting drunk because it's like a food and wine. Sure. Now last time it was food and wine and beer. Nice. Um, and like different drafts and stuff. They had like different breweries have their like, little booths. And uh, not this time, but like the other times, I've got like random drunk people come up to me and like, hey, I want you to play um like a random tune. They'll be like. Like something like there's an old lady one time she's like play do you know Spyro Gyra like something I don't remember the tune and like that kind of makes sense but I don't know it yeah. um but like one time somebody goes like hey uh, if you can play uh with the the Christina Aguilera song um what was it um Genie in a Bottle I think so yeah, yeah. that's what I remember like, in an hour I'll come back and tip you behind the box. And so like uh, we were on break like in a couple of minutes after that and then we're all like trying scrambling to find like the ultimate guitar tab like chart of it. Uh-huh. And then I'm like how are we gonna play this? And like vibes guitar, upright bass and um, drums. And so this is play the chorus and then play something and then we're playing something else. Like yeah. we're playing like a blues or something. And this woman comes by and we just I'm like stop play start playing <laughs> She needs the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah. And then, um, and she taps us, and then that was good. Um, <laughs> I love the kind of events, like, there will be, like, a random person, like, screaming, yeah, acid jazz. Like, how, how is this acid jazz? It's not like, like, I don't have, like, a wah-wah on me. But, um, and then the last time, like, like, two weeks ago, when we played, there was a guy comes up to me. Plattered, but he's like, hey, like, are you the first, um, band leader on the xylophone, um, since, uh, Lionel Hampton? He said it with so much conviction. You're right. I was like, wrong. And then, I'm like, okay, whatever. (laughs) You're just like, just, just get me through this conversation. (laughs) And then he's like, what are you going to play next? And he's like, Shouting like in front of us, I'm like, okay, and then we just start. Um, like for him, I'm just like, Do you guys know flying home? And then, and then we started playing it, like, yeah, like, but we, we contractually did not have tip jar this last time. God, she found out about the genie in the bottle incident. <laughs> You should. That's that's very. Just be like, I like, wish, like Christina Aguilera. <laughs> no, I wish. Like I had, I have like a little Zoom recorder. Yeah, yeah. Like, here, if we want, like a. Well, it won't be on the podcast, but like you can see it here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That was the other mic setting I had, but um, I had like the original version since like 2018. But mm-hmm. the first time I had the gig, something happened that I didn't power it or like had my. Portable charger, so yeah. I did not record that gig. So there is no evidence of this Christina Aguilera fiasco. 
that's one of my biggest regrets. <laughs> now you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, I finish. Uh, the, the last segment I do is called Random Ask Questions. Mm-hmm. So uh, first question is, what's an issue within percussion performance that most gets in under your skin or drives you the most nuts? I kind of talked about this on my little um, article interview thing, but like the fact that like a lot of like um, classical majors and like um, studios do not really teach like the foundations of percussion. Like if I were to ask, if I were to go around basic and ask um, like around the person like what places in Central America and South America the marimba is in mm-hmm. or have been for a while, I don't think they would know. Or like if I asked them about like different um like the whole family of like Balafon and uh, Gio and stuff like that. Well now like now that we have Dr. Renee and um Valerie Naranjo, people know about the jail. Mm-hmm. But like mm, and the same thing with like like the hand percussion thing. Like I'll see like I'll go to like a restaurant like on the beach and I'll see like a singer songwriter duo. So I'm playing cajon. Mm-hmm. And then I'm not gonna be like um that person to be like Hey, like, you know, like when somebody wears like a band shirt, like a specific band shirt, like, do you know like 10 songs by them or something? Right. I don't want to be that person, but like, if I go to like um, a percussion concert, like an ensemble concert, and then the, somebody playing the, the cajon and no one mentioned, like, they will say something like, oh, and it's from Spain. It's not, it's not right, you know? Stuff like that, like just knowing the, like teaching the origins of like the instruments and like um, the genres and, and styles associated with them. Because there's nothing wrong with like playing like singer songwriter, like little coffee shop gigs, mm-hmm. like on Cajon or like little um, multi setup, multi setup with djembe, bongos, and like Cajon or whatever, shakers. Yep. But like you're kind of doing a disservice. If you don't really know, like how they were originally played, and then like I, I feel like personally, it's um, with like investigating that, like you see like different styles and like ways of playing it that you can incorporate in your own playing. I think. Why are all these like method books and stuff and like um ethnomusicology? Is ethnomusicological, or whatever how you say that word, mm-hmm. um, books all by white guys or like white people. Mm-hmm. Like I've, there is a book on about um, the Chiapaneco marimba by a guy from Chiapas, mm-hmm. Mexico, in Spanish. So if you could like, translate that into English and other languages. That could be a, a, a more, I feel, more personal and anecdotal and important piece of text than random Joe Smo writing, like going on one trip to Mexico and trying to translate one guy who he can barely understand, talk about the Honduran wood and 
whatever. Mm-hmm. Because stuff gets lost in translation and things like that. So, like, I've seen things that, like, like on History Channel and, like, Discovery or whatever and other things that it'll be, like, um, they go to, like, Peru and mm-hmm. then they um, talking about the fan flute and then they have, like, an interpreter is, like, a guy from, like, the Balance area. So, like, usually they speak, they don't, like, their main, like, their first language is not Spanish. Sometimes they speak, like, Quechua and, like, the other indigenous language. And so their interpreter, they get an interpreter from, like, Lima or, like, somewhere. It's, because you assume Peru speaks Spanish. Right. You'll get the interpreter, barely understand Quechua, to interpret what the guy is saying, and so it's a so like the host of the show, right. and it's like that's not right. Mm-hmm. Or like me as like someone like I've seen like documentaries and stuff. They go to like some place, uh, like Colombia, mm-hmm. and then they'll talk about um their style, like they talk about like cumbia, and mm-hmm. then they'll like they'll be like they go to the place like super killer and super um, well known cumbia player. Like, um, and then they'll have their interpreter. The interpreter, like the guy, the person who says something to the interpreter, the interpreter says something completely different to the, and you hear all this and then me, because I know both languages, I'm like, oh, this is kind of a different, like, it's nothing wrong with the interpreter, because, like, I don't know how well or well-versed they are in English, and they just ha- may be having to be the one person they talk to to, like, contact for this, like, Documentary. Mm-hmm. I'm like, mm. yeah, yeah. Then, you know, it's like there's stuff lost in the translation, and that's why I have my series, my little video podcast, whatever, that we translate stuff, and then my friend who's doing the translating, like, remember stuff like, like crazy. Like yeah. she'll, they will tell her like a whole paragraph, and she'll like remember like. At least ninety percent, and if not, I'll like catch her. I'm like, hey, you forgot about this part. Mm-hmm. That's a real skill too, mm-hmm. like the, the the being able to translate and translate. That's actually because yeah, if you're a step removed from that, mm-hmm. you, you, you don't know where you you like you don't know how much is being interpreted by the translator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and and that's. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, no, and that's like me because I know both languages. But like mm-hmm. if it was like the same documentary they go to like I don't know, like Norway. Mm-hmm. I don't know that language. Sure. So like I don't know how much is getting lost. I always think that there's so many versions of like um like Russian novels. Uh, mm-hmm. I think like Tolstoy and and uh, no, but like there's like all of these different translations. And, and I, it's because like, there's the one person's version of this is going to be different than another person's translation. Yeah. Cause it's like interpretation and then like different dialect too. Yeah. Cause like, if you, like you go to any of the um, Latin American countries, like there's like certain words that mean like completely different things, same word. Right. It could be like a class word to right. me. could be like nice. Like you're complimenting somebody somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're laughing for a different reason than someone else might be, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, 
Oh, yeah. No, that's a, that's a really good point. Another question, kind of your experiences being a percussionist who is also a woman. I remember I was in a combo mm-hmm. with somebody who straight up said, told me in the middle of the class, like, hey, um, I think it was about um, the first time I was going to do that gig that I've had. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm trying to get rhythm session numbers. It's like, hey, you should find people your age. And, um, it, like, whatever, because no one's trying to gig with a woman, and much less a vibe player. Or, like, the other way around, maybe it was like, no one's trying to gig with a vibe player, and much less a woman. And I'm like, mm. you know, they had to more, do more with him than me, but, like, I'm just like, mm. And that's why, um, when, uh, Modern Marimba approached me to, um, do festivals for them, I was like, oh, like, off the top of my head, I'm like, hey, I know a bunch of, like, I follow a bunch of other women jazz vibes. Mm-hmm. How about we do a women jazz vibe festival? Like, I just said it, like, off, like, off the cuff. And mm-hmm. they're like, oh, yeah, then do it. And then, um, a lot of them, like, I have, like, a spreadsheet of, like, 40, 50 names. But we can only fit, like, 30 people between mm-hmm. the two days. Um, a couple of people like weren't available those days or like, like one or two people quit playing for like one of them is from down here and then she's in the law school. So she's like, I can't because I'm doing like cool work. Sure. Like, damn, one of the people I really wanted to on this afternoon. But, um, and the couple didn't, um, for other reasons. And, then the people that we had, um, it was a thing of like, who's gonna play the, the headlining part, like the longer sets, and who's gonna play like one tune or two. And then, uh, because the only time I could get access to the place I wanted to stream from was on the Sunday, I'm like, I'm just gonna, and besides, I wanted like, seem like, oh, it's my festival, and also I'm playing with the headline part. I didn't wanna be like that. So I'm like, oh, and you can play on the Sunday, and then they're like, "Oh, you have to be the first one." I'm like, "Oh, I don't." <laughs> but that's how it went. And then like there was a whole fiasco of like, um, cause I was gonna get uh my percussion teacher to be my accompanist, cause he can play like piano, cajon, whatever. And then the set that I was gonna do was for to play with him. And he's like, "My, I lost like uh um sense for a second because it was a Sunday." And because he's doing all these like church services, mm-hmm. like, I know he's not gonna be. <laughs> and so, um, um, that was out. And then my guitar is like my, my go-to guitar. I'm like, hey, can you do this? And then I don't remember what he said. Like he couldn't do it for some reason. And then I told my friend, like, um, a friend that I met from like a women jazz camp, like, but she's local to here. Um, and like, hey, do you know anybody like? The chordal instrument, they can, like, do the gig, I can pay them. Like, two tunes, so that we show up here. It's like, yeah, there's a piano, like, she's in high school, and then there's a third number. So I texted her, and I'm like, oh, can you do this? And yeah, and then she comes. I meet her, like, 30 minutes before we're playing mm-hmm. like, on the stream. And I'm like, this is what we're doing. This is, um, the tunes I want to do like this, like how do you, how do you sound? And I'm hearing her how she sounds. I'm like, 
comping on this and that, because like, it's like land jazz, playing land jazz. Uh, so one of them was like more of a Cuban sound, and one another was like more Peruvian sound. And then I'm like, okay, but this sounds good. Cause my teacher was gonna play like piano, like one hand, and like a horn. And then I'm like, how are we gonna do this? And then I remember I had a recording of a loop of myself playing cajon um, when I was like drafting this idea of like the arrangement. And so I'm like, okay, play piano. And then once we play the intro, press play on the iPad and then hopefully they'll hear it. And so like, um, that's what we did like in the soundtrack. We like tried that out and like, okay. And you could barely hear the iPad, but like that is, that arrangement is me on vibe, me on previously recorded cajon, and then her on piano. And I'm like, this is so stupid, this ain't gonna work. I've gone to like a jam session, like somebody's gig with big vibe. And then I go to their, um, I go to them, like, hey, like, basically, like, can I sit in? And then I've gone to like a couple, it's like, oh, well, I got this one person that I think I mentioned on the panel, like, and could barely get through tunes. And then I'm like, can I sit in? And he's like, honey, we play jazz here. Like, this was before the festival, so I don't have any like uh, concrete things of like, oh, I've done this. Like, what have you done? Uh, kind of thing. So I'm like, oh. And then I just, the, the big band play gig we just did was at that place. And then that's the house band drummer who was playing live. He wasn't there, but I talked to the owner. I'm like, hey, man. So this happened one time. Like, where's the guy? I was, I came here to play this freebie gig to show face to this mm-hmm. guy, and he's not here. And like, oh, he must have been out that day, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, you can play, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, okay, that's it. They'll be like, um, at like the jazz journalist award or whatever, the, the downbeat, the one that's like mm-hmm. everyone votes. I'll see a bunch of guys, black players, the same guys, um, and then three of the people, like the more famous people who won by that, and I'm like, okay. But there's, I, like, I kind of want to get like a contact that downbeat and some of the spreadsheet I have, like, hey, look at this. Some of them might be not as cool as you want, but like, hello, you know, they're there. We exist. Yeah. It sounds like there's a, a need for for like the these kinds of uh, uh, festivals that you are envision and, and and put together with these names that you wanna you wanna work with. Mm-hmm. And they're not like all just big names. They're like some of like my contemporaries. They are way more common than me, but just like contemporaries by age. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like international people that like. One of which I can like I had to Google translate every text I did to her, just from Brazil. Mm-hmm. And like like now Instagram automatically translates like text apparently. Oh. Okay. But, but this was after we did the whole festival and everything. But like sometimes I'll like react to her stories and like, hey I can say like one phrase in Portuguese, but that's it. <laughs> nice. Other questions that are not um that are not percussion based, but some other random questions. What's a great movie and what's a terrible movie? So I'm not really a movie person. Okay. I don't like have a favorite. Okay. Um, 
but a terrible movie. I think like the worst movie I've ever saw at the theater because my friend wanted to go because we thought it was like a cute like animated movie. Mm-hmm. Not a cute animated. It was um sausage party. They were. T- oh my goodness. <laughs> she was like, let's go after after school, like we were in college, and then let's take the bus. Um, cause we used to live in front of each other, and there was like a movie theater right there that she was working at. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, let's go watch it. Like I'll invite you, and then I'll uh, like um, my mom can take. But she's like, my mom can take you to your house. She'll be out by then. Mm-hmm. And we go. Sad because there's like people with like their kids in there. <laughs> oh my goodness. That was like funnier than that movie. Well, <laughs> you're you're imagining the conversations they have to have with their kids after something like that. <laughs> oh boy. Um, well, are are you a uh, are you like a TV person? Is that? Or um, just, I was never like someone to like sit on the couch sure. and watch TV like for hours. Until I started that remote job with the boy choir, mm-hmm. which like half of my days, like when I was waiting for them to tell me something to do, sure. I'd be like sitting and watching like whatever, mm-hmm. eating Pringles. And that's why I gained some pandemic pounds. <laughs> but. <laughs> what, do you have a favorite from that, from that time? Just like their show or. No, but like recently there's like a show on like History Channel. It's like, it's called like Food That Built America. And they talk wow. about like, Something was made like um, there was one that was like McDonald's and Burger King, and talk about like how the C like um, in the seventies like the CEO of Burger King was like the protege of the guy from McDonald's, mm-hmm. and like stuff like that, and then like the Wonder Bread and the Pepperidge Farms, and um, there was a new one about like Benny Hanna and TGI oh. Fridays. Yeah, but like I had to turn it off because I was like doing something else. I didn't get to watch it. Gotcha. So I'm like, I'm more of like uh, informational stuff, like in like stuff I like, consume, like books and stuff. I have more like, um, I have a lot of like audio books mm. and things like that. And like, um, I don't have a lot of message books and stuff like the ones that like mature made me get. Like I have the weirdest messed up copy of the Goldenberg book. It says um Marimba, Xylophone and Vibrapone. There's no H. Vibrapone. <laughs> I can send you a picture or like it's the H is like Vibra. Oh Vibrapone. Yeah. And like I like I was gonna sell it originally and like oh I'm gonna keep this. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's right. You know that's a special copy. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, do you have a what? Do you have a favorite book or books? I read a lot of like, informational stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, my favorite book is like something I can go into like any page. Like, for example, I have like a recording book. It's like um, it was like required, I think, mm-hmm. in my recording class. It's like some of the section, like one section is about like preamps. One section is about like, these different mics. One session is about like his suggest the author's suggestion to Mike, whatever. Um, so like I like books like that that I can like like I used to when I was in like middle school like read like a million like fiction books and stuff. But I do not like if you ask me about any of the books I read, 
really. I do not remember most of them. Like I know, like I read this book, um, or that book, mm. I think, and then, but I can't tell you like, I can tell you like a weird, bad, bad telephone kind of uh, summary of it, but like uh, manuals or um, or uh, like like a reference book. That's that's more like something that you would you would just have to like if it has this thing so it can help for the problem or something. You can you like. Catching on to that kind of stuff? No, it's like um, more kind of like an encyclopedia kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it'll be like, um, I have one that's like, I don't know why I bought it. It's like um, something about like guitars and guitar tone. Mm. So it'll like talk about like uh, how like talking about different guitars and like the pickups and things and like the amps and like the amp heads and things and like the tubes and like not to have tubes. So it's like informational. I yep. could find it on on YouTube and like Google searching, but in a less structured way. So like there's that. Um, I have a couple of song books that I found like on eBay or like in thrift stores. Mm-hmm. So, like I have this weird like yellow paper, like it's old. Mm-hmm. I think it's from the seventies. Like um, Bee Gees song books. Yeah. I can barely read them because I can't. Uh, but I'm like, oh, I know the song, so this is how it goes. And then some of them are like in a different key, probably because the 78 records are like going at a different tempo. I have like a couple Kindle books. Cause I, like sometimes like I have like, I just rather would get like a Kindle book than like a physical book. Mm-hmm. Now they have like almost like a bookshelf full yep. of like books and CDs. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I got the new like the I think it's a book by, um, kind of, I think, like, Tips from Quincy Jones. Oh, okay, yeah. Like, like a 12 Notes from Quincy or something like that. Um, I also, when I had, like, the, the Audible trial, mm-hmm. that became a subscription for after two months. Yeah, yeah. Because I forgot. Right. Um, I had, I got um, Alicia Keys' memoir. Oh. Um, awesome. But I don't really like if you tell me like like I never read the Twilight and never read Harry Potter after like a sentence. <laughs> I can't sit it like long enough to watch the whole movie. Like I know like oh this part this movie is when this thing happens, but I don't really. You can't like and then it's weird because like most of my friends are like middle school stuff or like into Harry Potter and I'm, like, yep, I yep. I can't I can't do this. Like when we went to like our eighth grade trip to Orlando. To Universal, that's when they just made the, or like they were gonna open it like the June, and mm-hmm. we were going the May for the Harry Potter world. Yeah. I'm like, I don't care, but everyone else was like upset that it wasn't like it was a month before that they were gonna open. And then I went one time since they opened it, and I'm like, I don't, like, besides the fish and chips they have, I don't really care about <laughs> like a dragon and. Yeah. It's raining. It was actually raining a lot, so it was kind of like actual England. Yeah, right. That, day that we went. I hear you. <laughs> well, you know, you because you um, are in South Florida. Do you have a sports fandom? Nope. But I did watch um, the one um, like playoffs when uh, the Heat like in like twenty seven. 
when they like the like the big tree and all that stuff. When they had the, I don't know who they were facing. I don't remember that though. But I remember they had a whole parade because they won the, the playoffs. Yeah. And then I have these weird stories. I like I like was ten feet away from Dwayne Wade one because <laughs> he came to the graduation of my high school. The year after, because my friends invited me to like watch their graduation, and then a couple months ago, I was like three feet away from Chris Bosch, mm. like behind the door, and I'm trying to like I, cause I knew they were having it at the college in their like um, auditorium, and like I know this place back because I used to work there, so I know the back doors, mm. so I'm trying to get to the back door, so like um, like find the guy, like they were live streaming it. And then I'm like, oh, it's going to end. So I'm going to go run there and I'm going to find him. And I found him, but I was like the door and it was locked. And I'm trying to knock. Like I was trying to knock. And then I guess they didn't hear me, whatever. And then I see him and I'm like, oh, there he is. I don't know where he he got, got out of the auditorium from because like I was also waiting at like a different like exit and I didn't see him. So I'm like, oh. But I don't care that much to like really care about that, but I'm like, oh, now I have like another story to tell. Cause I have like, I meet like random people in the weirdest places. Like mm-hmm. in Pacific 19, I, you, did you watch the Michelle Camilo trio? Uh, I, I didn't see a, a lot of it, but I saw enough to just like my mind kind of exploded just watching. It was incredible. So I was fine trying to find the elevator. Cause huh? Again, lost like my location right. <laughs> of where I was, and then I'm heading to the elevator. Everyone's like staying around to try to talk to Daphne mm-hmm. and our Jayavani Hidalgo, and I'm going to the elevator, and then I see Michelle. Like, like I don't know what he's doing. He's just like there, with, like I think his wife or something, like his like manager or And I go, no one's there. No one is out there. It was a bus, and I go like, hey man. And had like a food, like uh, the chicken tenders from the cafe still. So I had like a hand of like chicken tenders. And I'm like, hey man, like I am like a super fan. Can we take a picture? Because <laughs> no one's going to believe that like I just found it. And I have the picture. And then, then he runs away. And then but I have the picture. And then I go back inside the 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 that room the, the where they had the concert. I go see my friend. I'm like, hey, I just saw Michelle Camilo. I just took a picture. I'm like, no. And then like, yeah. And then that's like, I had like a pacing post like on Facebook and Instagram. And that's like the last picture of that. I'm like, look, I'm the one person who had this picture with Michelle Camilo. Awesome. <laughs> and then I, I considered this like kind of like my second Congo lesson. But my second Congo lesson was um, given to me by Pedrito Martinez nice. by accident because I was practicing on um, in that room, the orchestra room, whatever, and with the gigantic vibe wheels, yeah. um, there was no ramp in the risers. So like whenever we had like a combo thing, my friend had to come and then like bring it down and or like do this weird like maneuver to like put it on the chair, like slowly take it down the, the different risers. And so I'm like, I'm, I'm just going to practice up here and no one's going to be here. Um, the auditorium that like was a public auditorium that also the college had, mm-hmm. they didn't advertise that the guy who come. Well, he, they said he was coming. I saw like a thing, the group, but they never said it was a magic class. 
So I'm there just practicing, um, playing scales, playing, I was barely playing lines. And then he comes in, uh, with like the house manager of the, the auditorium, with Jair Salah, the guy who, who played like bongos for him and now doesn't, I think. Um, and, uh, and come down, I'm like, I kind of know, like, I'm like, who are these people? And they're like, oh, they are, I realized, I'm like, oh, they're a band. And then I'm, I just got some stuff, like, my wits of teeth out. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, like, still, like, loopy. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. Yeah, I know. It was, like, the day before, but I'm still taking, like, the super potent stuff. Of course. And yeah. then um, Pedrito Cuban and another guy proven, and then both. So I go up to them. I'm like, hey, Tios. I'm like, that's like, hey, uncles. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hi. as like the clouds on the, the stuff, the painkillers. And so they probably look at me like something's wrong with me. <laughs> but after like a second, like some of the guys who were in top combo, they call them like the bassist and the drummer. And then we all like hang out. And then, um, and then he's like, oh, I'm like, do you know, you can play that thing. He's like pointing to the vibes. I'm like, yeah. And then he's like, oh, but we can't hear you if you're up there. And then like, no one's going to take it down. So like, come here. And he, he teach me, he taught me, um, like differently. Like I already knew the tones and like the basic timbal, but then he like, uh, we were playing like duo. So like I learned about like a little bit about like fills and like soloing and stuff. And he was way louder than me, and then I had like, I have little baby hand. So like that's how I knew like, like how loud you can be, on like, acoustically on a conga. Yeah, <laughs> loud. It turns out. And I just hope he doesn't remember that. I hope because <laughs> I don't want him to. <laughs> oh man. The, mis- the wisdom teeth just just don't it's like don't talk to me I'm <laughs> oh that's great all right couple more questions what is the strangest funniest or most bizarre performance moment that involves you I mean it could be the the Christina Aguilera yeah thing. and then also um, we played a festival it was like at the college uh-huh. and basically we were um, uh, opening up for Wycliffe John from mm-hmm. Fuji. Yeah. But I don't understand why a college combo was opening up for them. But, and it was like, they canceled classes and it was like, uh, tickets for X amount of money. So it was like on the field and all that stuff, nice stage. And like, we had to, like, the two of the combo guys had to bring out the vibe because there was like a little stairs. Mm-hmm. But like, no one showed up. Because, like, they canceled classes, and there was, like, food trucks. I, they saw, I saw some people on, like, the pictures afterwards, that they showed up for, like, white class and stuff, other people. And uh, it was just, like, we were playing for, like, two people. There was, like, one teacher, like, a, a photography teacher, and then some of our friends, they like, showed up. And then like, the food truck people, they wanted to charge us, like, $15 for a hot dog. Yeesh. It's rough. All right. Well, uh, Jen, last question. What one piece of art could be any music, movies, books, podcasts, YouTube clips, theater, visual art, anything has impacted you the most recently? 
It might be cliche, but um, Don FM by the weekend. I'm sorry, say that again. Don FM by the weekend, the, the record. Don FM. The record, he has a, the, his last album, is, that's what it's called. Who's that? Wait, who's that? Oh, oh, I'm so, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry that because yeah. I, I kept thinking like you're, that you, you made it sound like it was a it was a radio station. Yeah, it's, I think that's the, the vibe they were going for. Mm. Gotcha. Why why that album in particular? Well, I usually came out of nowhere, and then like uh, my friends were like, "Oh, you need to listen to this because I like like some pop and stuff like that." Um, because I was a frustrated keyboardist and I have, I'm like a big synth head. And I think like Quincy June produced at least some of it, or like all of it. Mm. So sometimes like there's like one, two, and it sounds like it was like a demo off Thriller or something. Oh, sure. Really great getting to talk to Jen in this episode. Best of luck to her and all of her upcoming performances. This week's rave is live music. Last week, I got the chance to see a favorite group of mine in person outdoors. The venue was Knucklehead Saloon in Kansas City, a multi-venue area north of downtown, and the group was one that I've raved about in the past when they've been part of our annual Roots and Blues Festival the Mavericks. But this was the first time I've seen them as a standalone act versus seeing them as part of a larger festival, and it was amazing. First note, the weather was scaldingly hot, but as the sun went down, it became quite pleasant. Second note, that facility doesn't typically have too much in the way of food, but there was a setup for a food truck type place called Mikasa Mexican Eats, which had street tacos, and they were fantastic. Once I gobbled down the foodstuffs, time for the concert. The band played for two solid hours, minus a brief, are we going to come out and do an encore facade? But they play. There is remarkably little filler within the show. They don't talk much to the crowd, and they don't dilly-dally between pieces. One song ends, crowd explodes, Two seconds later, count off into the next selection. The Mavericks' core group is Raul Malo, lead singer and guitarist, Paul Deacon on drums, Jerry Dale McFadden on keyboards, and Eddie Perez on lead guitar. Their live group also includes bass guitar, tenor sax, trumpet, one guy who plays trumpet, valve trombone, and percussion, and accordion. I was first made aware of the group through their incredible 1998 album, Trampoline, a tour de force that combined their country bona fides with Malo and Perez's Latin American, and specific to Malo, Cuban background. They played a couple of tunes off of that, most notably I've Got a Feeling, but also covered a lot of older stuff and some newer things, and the notable cover of Neil Young's Harvest Moon. On this night, the energy was high from the get-go. Their live performances are, with the larger group, more fully orchestrated than their studio recordings. And this also includes a heavy dose of solos, particularly from all of the wind players throughout the night and the accordion player. 
Additionally, crowd call and responses are built into a lot of their selections. Everyone is great, but the real star, which is aside from Eddie Perez's white suits and scarves, which seemed particularly courageous in very humid weather, is Raul Malo's voice. I've had friends who are singers, and some others, say he has one of the best pop voices of all time. This seems far-fetched, but as this is the third time I've seen him, I'm starting to come around. His voice is somehow both sturdy and strong, which allows him to belt in a ranchera emotional style, but also really tender and soft. And he can jump back and forth between those extremes pretty easily. It was definitely at home more in the country background, which really seemed to satisfy the audience. It was awesome to see live music. And if you can, catch the Mavericks on their current tour. And that's our show. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and leave a comment and a rating. You can always find every episode and the show notes at the homepage at PeteZambito.com slash Pete's Percussion Podcast, the episodes. The show is on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcast locations. If you're on Facebook, like the page Pete's Percussion Podcast. You can find me there on Instagram and Twitter at Pete Zambito or by email at Pete's Perk Pod at gmail.com. And I'll catch you next time. Until then.